So, as Larry mentioned, I think I know I'm operating on a pretty big sleep deficit this week. Um, so, with Fiddler's Convention, uh, I know we've got visitors with us this morning from several places. And, and here's the thing if you're local to Galax in the Fiddler's Convention, you've got one of two viewpoints about it, okay? One, and some of y'all be nodding your head, when you know it's Fiddler's Convention week, you plan your vacation to get out of Galax, right? You can be honest. There's some of you out there that are like, I want nothing to do with it. There's too many people. And it's not near as big as it used to be, but it's still, there's a lot of people coming to town. And then there's the ones of you that are crazy, like me, that you know have been up most of the night, every night, down there, uh, at, in Phelps Park, and my kids were rolling in like at 4 a.m. from just playing bluegrass all week. So uh, it's it's been a crazy week. It's been a good week. So uh, we all are, are a little sleepy though today. So I'm going to try to keep you awake, okay? And so uh, today we get to continue our series, Everyday Disciple. I'm so excited about our baptism service today and our picnic. So uh, man, it's going to be an awesome time, so please try to come to that. It's, uh, uh, we're, we really are excited that we get to celebrate today. But what I want to talk about today is how that our own city, right here, our own very neighborhoods, right, they can be our headquarters for our local mission. They, they really, God has placed us right where he wants us, and he can use us in everyday life to go and to make disciples. And so I'm just going to jump right in today into the message. We'll get going. Here's the first thing that I want to share with you today. It's simply this. We should view ourselves as missionaries to our own city. We should view ourselves as missionaries. Now, it was interesting when I was working on the sermon this week and I was uh, doing some research and I found that this was actually a pretty contentious point. A lot of people say, no, you shouldn't really call everyone a missionary. Missionaries go to, to foreign countries and do mission work, and it devalues what they do if you call everyone a missionary. And I think that's just a bunch of load of hogwash, right? <laughs> Can't think of anything better to say. Every single one of us, we have a mission to go into our everyday life and to share the gospel. That's what God, God has placed us right here. When we think about Galax over the last week, all these people coming into town, do you realize how much of an opportunity that is to share Jesus? Do you realize what an incredible opportunity God has placed right here? We're just a couple of blocks away, right? And, and so just think about that, uh, uh, the opportunity we have. A missionary... All right, if you look at the, the, the etymology of the word, it is a person that is sent on a mission. Now, that's really what it's about. And so we use it to label people who choose to move to a foreign country and to go and make disciples. We label them as missionaries. But what about us? Are you sent on a mission? John 20 verse 21 says this. It says, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending who? you. God is sending us. Where is he sending us? It's, you know, even if as you look at the Great Commission, go and make disciples, it's as you are going, as you are going through everyday life, this is your responsibility. 
The problem we face is our understanding of the church and the mission of God. If we view it as a program, if we view it as a job, if we view it as something that someone else is supposed to do, then we don't think about it in everyday life, right? Uh, I looked up, a. this is a good definition of what the church is, and I found it, and uh, it's from a book, but it, it says this, it says, the local church is a community of regenerated believers who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. In obedience to Scripture, they organize under qualified leadership. They gather regularly for preaching and worship. They observe the biblical sacraments of baptism and communion. They are unified by the Spirit. They are disciplined for holiness. And they scatter to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission as missionaries to the world for God's glory and for their joy. That's a lot in there. There's a lot to unpack in, in that one definition. But we, you know, we, we are missionaries to the world for God's glory, but also for our joy. And as you find yourself being used by God in everyday life as a missionary, it brings you incredible joy. And so what I'm challenging you to do today, I'm, I'm going to be honest, it's pretty radical it's to arrange your everyday life around your faith. It's to view everything you do as an opportunity to be a missionary. Now, when we go on mission trips, um, and we've been to Nicaragua a bunch over the years and uh, different places, but in India and Nicaragua, but when we have a team preparing to go on a mission trip, all right, what do they do? They, they start, they, they start we, we prepare, we think about, okay, how are we going to share our testimony? What are the activities we're going to do and, and villages to engage with the people we're going to reach? How are we going to minister while we're there? And we, we organize medical missions and we organize feeding programs and we organize pastor training and we're doing all this work. But what we're thinking strategically about how to make that connection to people uh, where we're going. Why do we do that for a mission trip, but we don't do it for everyday life? Why do we, we put so much preparation time into getting ready to go on a mission trip, which lasts a week, but then we come home and we're like, well, I just got to go back to my job. Yes, you go back to your job. Guess who's there? People who don't know Jesus. Right? I mean, and so how, what if we started using the same type of, of thought process, the same type of preparation to say, okay, how can I engage with the people I'm interacting with? What are the activities I can do? What are the, the things I can invite them to? How can I get to know their name? How can I meet my neighbors in our community? How can I, what if we start, started thinking strategically about really uh, th this, this idea of going and making disciples. Now, we've been so focused, I think, sometimes on activities of the church. We think that's all there is. We just show up and we do church on Sunday morning. We go to our life group. We, we kind of check all the boxes and do the programs and the events, but we forget about everyday life. It, it, you think about this. Um, I, I love this is from a, a, an author named Mike Breen. He said, effective discipleship, it builds the church, not the other way around. 
We need to understand the church as the effect of discipleship and not the cause. If you set out to build a church, there's no guarantee that you're going to make disciples. It's far more likely that you're going to create consumers who depend upon the spiritual services that religious professionals provide. He says if you make disciples, you always get the church, but if you make a church, you rarely get disciples. It's getting our thought process right. It's like we go and we make disciples, and out of that discipleship process, a church forms out of that. Anybody can, can start a church and, and get musicians together and get someone to come up and give a message, and, and you, can, you can do a service, but a church is far more than a service. It's a group of believers living and working together to advance the good news, the gospel. And so I think about this. A lot of church leaders complain about consumerism in the church today. People just show up and they want you to do everything for them. And people don't serve and people don't help. And, uh, you know, you've got 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And you hear all this. It's a discipleship problem. It's that people have distance themselves from understanding that in everyday life we are missionaries to the community we live in it's forgetting that in everyday life we are responsible to go and make disciples and we do that wherever God has placed us so that means right that we're compelled to tell people about Jesus it's not just what we do it's who we are evangelism it lies at the heart of the gospel and we've got to understand this is what God has done for us and as a result of what he's done for us we've got to go and tell other people so that leads us then we start understanding this culture this city this community it's our mission field it's our mission field and we we see ourselves as people on a mission and and this is not our home this is our mission field and and then it means whatever we do, whether it's a job, whether it's a student, wherever we find ourselves, we start seeing, okay, if this is my mission field, then I'm doing work for God. It changes your entire outlook on life. It changes from just showing up to church on Sunday morning to, okay, how can I live for you today, Jesus? How can I serve you? Who can I tell about Jesus today? Give me a divine appointment to share. Give me a divine appointment to share. And, and so, man, uh, again, it makes me realize that, that we're missionaries. And, and I'll just tell you this. The older I've gotten, the more I feel like this is not my home. Let me explain that, because I grew up here in Galax, right? It got deep roots here. I literally grew up just a couple of blocks over and almost see my parents' house from just out the window here. But the longer I've lived, and I say that because I start viewing my everyday life as a missionary, that I'm sent here, that this is just temporary, that my home is not really Galax, my home it's we're just temporary here until God calls us home to be with him. And so the older I get, the more out of place I feel sometimes in this world we live in because things are messed up. 
Things are messed up, and, and we've got to start thinking. That Peter said it this way in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. They will give honor to God when he uh, judges the world. We are temporary residents. We are foreigners. This is not our home. And so we are missionaries. This world is not the way that God intended, and I'm so thankful that one day he's coming back to put things back together the way they are supposed to be. But until that day, until Jesus comes back, we have a responsibility, we have a purpose, we have a mission, and he's depending upon believers to carry that mission out. You know, when, when, when Jesus went back to heaven, he could have said, okay, I've got you 12 disciples, and we're going to create a professional clergy system, right? And the best of the best, they're going to be the ones that are responsible to go out and send the message. He didn't do that, did he? He gave everyone, he said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church, right? And he said, Peter, you're going to help lead it, but the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it because I'm building this thing based on people. And then we start seeing how we have gifts and we're all these living stones that God is placing together and building this new thing, this new organism this new way of doing life and it's all about us taking the mission and, and being sent out to the world we live in that's our hope in acts 1 8 this is how he prepared his disciples he says you're going to receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in jerusalem throughout judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth He's telling them, you're going to start right here in Jerusalem. You're going to start right where you are, and then you know what? You're not going to stay here. This message that you send, that you, you are giving out, it's going to take you. Uh, it's going to take you to Judea, the surrounding region. It's going to take you across ethnic borders into Samaria. It's not only going to take you there, it's going to take you to the ends of the earth. It's going to take you to, this is, this is when we start realizing this is the model for missions. We start right here in our hometown. We don't have to start halfway around the world. We start right here. But it's going to carry us around the world. And so like Larry said, how well do you know your neighbors? Do you even know their names? You know, we live in a culture where it used to be everybody walked down uh, main, you know, walk down the street and everybody sat on the front porch and everybody knew each other and now everybody locks their front door and has gated backyards and fenced-in backyards. And I mean, our culture has changed. And, and whether you like the Fiddler's Convention or not, I'm, I'm telling you, it's one big family. If you've grown up in it, uh, I love seeing how our kids have made all these friends and they all know each other and they, they interact and I'll just be honest with you, this week our, we've left our door unlocked at our house and we just told anybody if you need somewhere to stay, you need a shower, just come show up. And we, I don't know who's been at our house this week. I have no idea. Because it's family, right? It's the, these kids, we've grown up with them. I mean, the, 
they're not kids anymore, but you know what I mean? They're, this is kind of, it's that we've lost that in our culture today. What's mine is yours, and how can I help, and how can I serve, and we, we've lost that. So that leads me to my next point. Okay, I'll get there, I promise. Okay, I'm doing good on time. Okay, to make an impact in our neighborhood, we need to be present in our neighborhood. If you want to make an impact in your neighborhood, you've got to be present in, in, in our neighborhood. A few weeks ago, we talked about hospitality. I don't know if you remember that, right? Talked about how inviting people over and how Jesus used meals to, to disciple and connect. And the, the word hospitality is interesting uh, because when you look at the, it's a compound word and it literally means the love of strangers. The, the love of strangers. And we talked about it a few weeks ago, right? It's easy to love people we know and are connected to. Not so easy to love people we don't really know yet. And so we open up our homes. Hospitality has been an incredible witness to the gospel from the early church until now. But we've got to be present in our neighborhood. So how are you opening up your home? How are you getting to know the people in your own neighborhood? Uh, we live, again, in a time and, and day where it's easy to get in a car and do your grocery shopping in Winston, to do your, uh, right, to do, go out, you want to go eat supper, let's go to Mount Airy, let's go to Christiansburg, let's go to Winston, let's go to Charlotte. You know, we, we in Galax, you're kind of, you're accustomed to that. We, we go places. How often do we say, can we stay right here? And get, to the, and get to know the people around us. Again, I think, this is not, I think this is just part of our modern culture that we've got to be aware of, that we need to be careful of. It, it, we're, we're quick to, to, to be disconnected from the people who are closest to us. And so we've got to, to go and meet people where they live, and, and we've got to be present in our communities. And this is the problem of, of isolation, that we see. Matthew chapter 9, this is how Jesus uh, was teaching. He said in verse 35, he said, Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Uh, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So when we were in Israel a few months ago, and uh, as we shared a few weeks, we're going back next month. But as we were there standing on Mount Arbel, you're standing on overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And you're looking down on Capernaum. Uh, right beside it is uh, Megiddo and uh, not Megiddo, uh, Magdala, <laughs> get my words, you're right, you got Capernaum, you got Magdala, uh, you've got Bethsaida, you've got Corazon, uh, you've got all these places, 85% of Jesus's ministry happened in this little area that was right there together. Magdala was only a mile or so away from Capernaum, they're all just right there together. The Sea of Galilee is not that big. So when it says here, you know, we were able to see the synagogue at Capernaum, the, the synagogue at, at Magdala. It says as he was teaching here in this area, he'd already been run out of Nazareth, and he finds himself now on the Sea of Galilee teaching and ministering. 
uh, these are not big metropolis cities, right? This is a small little communities, and he's teaching. He's getting to know the people there. He's healing, right? You read the story about him healing Peter's uh, mother, right? And that, that whole uh, that, oh, mother-in-law. We read that whole story there, and uh, th- this is all taking place in a really tiny area. But what we see is that Jesus was present in the communities he was ministering to. All right. He didn't set up a campsite way out of town, and he didn't stay at a five-star resort. He was with the people. He got to know them. Um, he, he got to be around them, and he sat in the town squares. He talked to people about the, the kingdom of God has arrived. He, he had compassion. He didn't look at uh, the community and get mad that people were in sin. Right? He says here, He saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so when we go through our everyday life, how do we view people who are different than us? Do we have compassion on them? Do we see them and think, okay, they're lost. They're confused. They just need someone to tell them the truth. They need someone to point them. They need a shepherd. They need someone that can guide them from where they are to where God wants them to be. So God, use me. God, God, just place me where you want me. Give me those opportunities. That's a huge change in your mindset. Instead of looking at people and condemning them because of, I can't believe what they did. I can't believe what they said. I can't believe what they do. Uh, that we, it, it's looking at them with compassion. It's not condoning. It's not accepting. It's saying, I understand you don't know Jesus. Let me introduce you to him. It, it's saying, I, I care enough about you that I've got to tell you about what Jesus has done in my life. It, it's looking for those opportunities to take the everyday conversation and turn it around to spiritual things so that you can share Jesus. It may just be as simple as telling them a little bit of your story. Maybe as simple as telling them where you go to church. It may be as simple as, you know, I went through that one time. Let me, let me share about that. It's just looking like, right, it may be just starting to organize community cookouts in your own neighborhood. It may be, God, use me here to get connected in this city. We've got people serving on city council. We've got people serving on the school board. We've got people serving in different leadership areas around town. Why? It's people getting to know our community and be involved in our community. It may be getting involved in local ministries, right? Uh, our, uh, you know, our, the soup kitchen or recovery programs or homeless ministries. It's, it's getting involved. It's getting to know the people around us. That's why we're doing block parties all summer. We're just going in, rolling up, setting up, cooking, having fun, getting to know our neighbors. This is all. It's getting involved in our local school systems. It's asking, okay, what are the problems in this community and how can we work together to solve them and, and how can we share Jesus while we're doing it? All right. Um, it's, there, there's a book called The Art of Neighboring, <laughs> Building Genuine Relationships Right Outside Your Door. And the authors say this. They say, um, they, they talk about Jesus' command to love our neighbor, and they say, you got to take that literally. They write, the problem is that we have turned this simple idea into a nice saying. 
We put it on bumper stickers and t-shirts and go on with our lives without actually putting it into practice. But the fact is, Jesus has given us a practical plan that has the potential to change the world. To love our neighbor. To love our neighbors, we must know them well enough to know their names. Learning someone's name and remembering that name is a sign that you actually care about that person. It's an act of humanizing someone in a world which can be incredibly dehumanizing. Ed Stetzer says this. He said, we must join Jesus in his mission of serving the hurting and saving the lost. The church becomes the engine of transformation when it's focusing on the mission of Christ. The world is broken. It's lost. It's dark. The reality is this. It sure doesn't seem like there's a king reigning in righteousness. But he explained that while we already have the victory through Jesus, we live between the times, between the first and the second coming. The world is in this rebellion against the rule of God, and we, we rebel against the rebellion, he said. The, the, the kingdom is near, and our rightful response is to repent, to get on our knees before Jesus, and to share with others. We've got to join Jesus in his mission. And so I'll, I'll share, there's, there's a couple of big dangers that we've got to be careful about, Right? when we reach out into our community, when we start interacting with people who aren't yet Christians, who may be involved. I mean, Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners, right? There's a couple of dangers we got to watch out for. One is legalism. It's requiring people to follow a set of rules and regulations that aren't really in the Bible. Well, you can come to church, but you got to change the way you dress. You're not welcome here like that. And, I mean, this stuff happens. I'm telling you, we're in, we're in the South. Uh, we're in a place where people have this list of expectations. Before you come to church, you got to get your life cleaned up. That's crazy. People need to be welcome here, so let's, we need to let God clean people up, right? He's the one that can fix their mess. They can't fix it on their own without Jesus, so it means people are going to be messy sometimes. Let's not place restrictions and rules and all this stuff on them that aren't even in the Bible. It's legalism. That's one thing we've got to be careful of. The second big thing we've got to be careful of is compromise. It's when believers get so much like the world that there's no difference. And so that's the other thing we got to be careful of. We get around the world. We get around people who are hurting. We get around people who are in sin, and we just join right in with them. That doesn't fix anything either. we got to avoid legalism. we got to avoid compromise. Those are the two dangers. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, again, this is the passage right? I just read earlier where it talks about we're temporary. We're not here. We're, ju we're just temporary residents. We're foreigners. Let's back up a few verses. And it says, You are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, right? In context here, and now I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. 
This is, this is the, we've got to avoid legalism, but we also have to know who we are in Christ. That he set us apart. We are holy. And so, we've been called out of the darkness, and we can't keep living in the darkness. But we've got to allow God to do that transformation in people's lives. And so, that, that brings me to my last point here. We love our neighbors by reaching them wherever they are on their spiritual journey. That means when we reach out, we get involved in our neighborhoods. We get involved with the people that live around us. We get involved in our community. Everybody is not going to think like you, look like you, act like you, believe like you. And are you okay with that? Are you okay with inviting someone to church that may look a little different, that may believe a little different? I'm okay with it. Now, when they come here, I'm not going to change what I'm going to say to appease them. I'm not going to compromise God's word to make them happy. But I will welcome them with open arms when they come. Right? I mean, that's, what, that, that's, the, that's the, the outlook we all need to have. Hey, let's welcome anybody who comes in these doors, and then let's share the hope that we have in Jesus with them. All right? Matthew 5 says it this way. This is the, the, the illustration that Jesus gave his disciples and his followers on, uh, on how we're to do that. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out, trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I'm telling you, you can't convert people's minds before you convert their hearts. We, they've got to see Jesus at work inside of us. And so Jesus says here, okay, you, you're salt and the salt is this flavor enhancer, right? It's a preservative. It's God telling us we have to be out in the world preserving God's kingdom and, 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 and doing it right and, and being involved. Then we're the light on the hill. We don't just like, you know, as a church, we want people to see what God is doing here. We're the light on the hill. We want people to be drawn here. It means we go out and share that light with others. There's a verse over in 2 Corinthians. I shared this with the praise team last week in our worship team. And it, it, we were talking about how we reflect God's glory and we're, how we're to shine brightly in our everyday life. And I love this verse. It just, all of us who have, it, this is talking about Moses had the veil over his face and uh, so people couldn't see God's glory. And, and now this is New Testament. That veil has been torn in two, right? We have direct access to God and we've had the veil removed. We can see, we can reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. We are mirrors that brightly reflect Him. We, we, so as God works in us, we reflect him even more. We shine the light, but the source of the light is not us. It's we're reflecting what God has done in our life. And so let me just ask you this morning, who is your neighbor? And how can we shine brightly for Christ? Who is your neighbor and how can we shine brightly? 1 John 2.6 says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. 
Are you living like Jesus did? Are you, are you getting to know people in your community? Are, we, are you sharing good news? Do you view yourself as a, as a missionary to, to your workplace? Do you view yourself as a missionary to your school? All right. Young people, I'll tell you this, our, our teenagers and, and, and college students, you're in the biggest mission field you will ever see in your entire life right now. People are receptive to the gospel as well. They're growing up, they're asking questions, they're like, I, I want... They're, they're inquisitive, and they're, they're open to hearing it. And so you have an incredible opportunity that, that so many adults in this room don't have. This is, who is your neighbor? How can you share with them? How can you get to know them? How can you shine brightly for Christ? And I'll just share, all this starts with knowing who you are in Christ. All this starts with you having that relationship with Jesus, that he has saved you, he has transformed you, he's given you that new mission, that new purpose. And so I just want to ask you this morning, do you know Jesus? Has he saved you? Have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness? Have you trusted him to, to, to make you a new creation? I don't know what it is you're here, and maybe you're watching online this morning on on Facebook or, or YouTube or our website, or, or maybe you're listening on a podcast weeks from now. I don't know. But God has you today listening to this for a reason. He's given you opportunities, and how are you going to take advantage of them? And so I want to ask us, we're going to pray right now. Our worship team's going to come back up, and we're going to have a chance to respond this morning. But let's all bow our heads. Let's all go to the Lord in prayer today. Heavenly Father, you have called us to be your disciples. And you've not only called us to be your disciple, you've called us to go and make disciples. And so, Lord, that's how we want to live. We want to live, live, our, we want to live our lives in light of this good news that we have received. It's this good news that we have heard that, Jesus, you have come to live the life that we could not live. You went to the cross on our behalf to take the punishment we deserve for our sin, and yet you conquered over death and the grave. You were victorious. You rose from the dead, and, and you, you ascended back into heaven. You, you lived and you died for us. So now you now call us to live for you. Heavenly Father, give us the, the strength, the wisdom, the power, the discernment, to be able to, to wade into the mess of this world all around us, to be able to go and, and serve you and help and, and, and make a difference in this world we live in. But help us to shine brightly for Jesus. Help to give us compassion on our own community. We know we, there, there are a lot of problems here right now that we see on a weekly ba basis, poverty and drug use and homelessness and all these things that, just break our heart and break your heart, God. Help us to know how we can share your love through that. And Lord, I pray for each and every person here just to help them see their life as living on mission for you. We just give Jesus all the praise and the honor and the glory this morning. Amen.